0: Um, As you know, man, it is always just an incredible blessing. It's a highlight of my year anytime I get to come back and uh, spend time with you all. Um, We do have a handout. The guys have these at the front. So if you haven't gotten one of those yet, if you would raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one of those. Now, I will say um, one of the reasons it's always encouraging coming back here to Grace, um, it's fun to see the new faces, knowing there are going to be new faces when I come back. And so praise the Lord. That is a sign of a healthy church, Right. And then it's also uh, just a blessing to see so many of you that are uh, just staying faithful, serving where you need to serve, and uh, seeing. uh, I got, it was really, really sweet. I got a Christmas, the Christmas photo card from the teens, from the youth ministry. So thank you for wishing me Merry Christmas on there. And uh, there were a lot of new faces in there. And so I don't know, I guess apparently somewhere along the line with the history of Grace Baptist Church, I guess there always has to be a family or two that basically makes up 60% of the church. So we've got the Blackfords, and they're still here, and then the Schraders, right? Is Schrader or Schroeder? Schrader? Schrader. Okay, so the Schraders, um, they basically make up 80% of the youth group. So that was a blessing to see that you're just, you know, you wouldn't be Grace Baptist Church without that, right? But no, it is a blessing um, seeing you be faithful Uh, It's a blessing coming back knowing that uh, we can just preach the Bible and uh, just this week there is uh, somebody you know kind of in the secular world that um, is interesting to listen to he had a panel uh, talking about the Bible and he's reading from the King James and it wasn't 10 seconds into the video and some scholars correcting the King James because of a word and it just it just wasn't surprising. Because that's where our culture is. Right. Um, you know, and so it's fun being able to come back and preach the word of God and knowing that you guys have come ready to receive it because, you know, you're going to get it here. And so if you're visiting or you're maybe a little newer to the church, um, man, I just hope that you'll continue to stay plugged in because you, if you want to know God and learn his word, you will get that here. And you'll get a bunch of friends along the way. And so, you know, get plugged into the discipleship ministry. There's so much going on here. Now, I will say there's one thing I am disappointed in. Come to find out that uh, of all of the work that I've done over the last 15 years, I have been replaced by two retired dudes, apparently, as interns. So I don't know what that is. But apparently I was told that Ed, and they still have extra time. So apparently I did the work of two old guys. No, But no, Ed told me that Ed and uh, I guess the running joke right now is Ed and um, I was going to say Deb, it's not Deb, it's uh, Jim, yeah, the other guy, that uh, they are apparently intern one and intern two, so apparently they sub in, I guess, you know, and one of them, one of them gets winded, and he's like, hey coach, you know, but... And I don't even understand all that inside joke. I just got a little bit of it. So that was fun. And then first, uh, I didn't want to forget to mention, um, thank you so much for, as you pray for me and you pray for the girls, Chloe and Kate, uh, I just cannot thank you enough for that. Um, Chloe is on Christmas day. She will turn 11 and she's going to, she is in fifth grade and uh, she's learning a ton. And then Kate is in kindergarten and she just turned six at the end of September. So I have a six year old in the house and, uh, so Ed, that's, we could go on with the stories of how many of you have ever had a six-year-old in the house? And so I'm like, what are you, six? I was like, okay, yeah, you are. Um, we've gone from what are you, four, to what are you, five, to what are you, six. And I, I don't know, somewhere in there. Then it goes like, are you, 13? Yes, that explains a lot. So, All right, enough introduction. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll dive into this. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you for these people. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the pastor and for Uh, his faithfulness to your word, and thank you so much for all that you've done in each and every individual life in this place and in these families. Um, Lord, I pray tonight that we would better understand this word that we're going to look at tonight and that we would be encouraged and strengthened and that our eyes would be lifted up and placed on you and your faithfulness. God, you um, are just, you are so much more faithful than what we give you credit for. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, help me tonight. Please ask for your help. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you look at your handout, we are going to look tonight at the word profess, at the word profess. And go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to Deuteronomy 26. And I've actually, we're going to go verse by verse through Deuteronomy 26, but I did give you on the handout kind of a key verse that we're going to look at that has this word "profess" in the New Testament. So go to Deuteronomy 26. And then if you look at your handout, 1 Timothy 6, 12, uh, you know here that Paul is commending Timothy and the scripture says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good good profession before many witnesses. now, um, how many of you would raise your hands and you say that you understand as a Christian that living the Christian life here on this earth right now at this time, it is a fight of faith, right The, the world is not necessarily out there begging you to show them how to be saved. Now, some are, there are some people that are very ready and open to the gospel, but you know, we live in a day in which you have to contend for the faith, right? And so Paul here is commended for having professed a good profession. So uh, his, his walk with the Lord and the outward show of his faith was at such a level that the Holy Spirit commended him for that. And how many of you would raise your hands and say, that'd be cool for God to say, like, hey, the profession you've professed, keep professing that. How many of you would say, that'd be a pretty cool place to be, right? And so we know that we want to, that is commendable, and that we ought to desire that, not for our glory, but for his, because Christ has changed your life, right? So, (coughs) sorry. Sorry. Somewhere there's a mute button on this thing, and I missed it. (laughs) Um, So when when you look at Wester's definition of profess, it means to make open declaration of. To make open declaration of, to avow or acknowledge. And I can't help but think of the scriptural example when you had Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That there came a day in their life where they uh, couldn't hide their faith. And I don't know that they were trying to from the get-go, but there was a day when the sackbut, psaltery, and harp started playing and a whole bunch of the children of Israel bowed down to an idol. And they said, no. And what was that? That was a profession, an open declaration of their faith, right? So it wasn't something they could hide. It also means to avow or acknowledge. Uh, This is kind of the secondary definition. It means to declare in strong terms, to declare in strong terms. And then number three, to make a show of any sentiments by loud declaration, to make a show of any sentiments by a loud declaration. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, Seeing the way the Holy Spirit of God commended Timothy for the profession of his faith, I see, you know, I ought to want to have a good profession too, right? For the glory of Jesus Christ, I want that in my life. So is there anything in the Bible that might show me how to do that? And if you have studied the Bible any length of time, does God ever tell you how to do what he tells you to do? Yeah. So let's go back and look at this example in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And for those of you, again, that have been um, around, you'll be familiar with the law of first mention and how God gives you such amazing information at times when the very first time uh, in the very first time that he mentions something. So the very first time the word profess is used, it's here in Deuteronomy 26. So Deuteronomy chapter 26 in verse number one, and you'll have to forgive me, I make, obviously I'm going to cough a little bit through tonight, kind of came through a sinus infection a few weeks ago, and the cough is lingering, and I have asthma, so I read a really funny meme the other day that said, asthma, you know, I stink at breathing, okay, so welcome to my world, <laughs> like the one thing in life I got to not be good at is breathing, okay, so <laughs> any of you deal with asthma, <laughs> you've got your, I forget what the inhaler is called, albuterol, That's always a fun one, all right, so. Deuteronomy 26.1, the scripture here says, oh, this is so good. Okay. Um, and pastor, you know what this is like, right? You, you are studying. I got to tell you, like on the plane, this was just blown up off the page. So I'm praying that the Lord would help me to take like the intensity and the, the way it was lighting up on the plane as I was reading through this. Hopefully we'll be able to communicate it that way tonight. Oh. 26.1. And it shall be. "'When thou art come in unto the land "'which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance "'and possessest it, and dwellest therein, "'that thou shalt take of the first "'of all the fruit of the earth, "'which thou shalt bring of thy land "'that the Lord thy God giveth thee, "'and shalt put it in a basket, "'and shalt go unto the place "'which the Lord thy God shall choose "'to place his name there. "'And thou shalt go unto the priest, uh, "'that shall be in those days,' And say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord sware unto our fathers for to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian, ready to perish, was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders." and he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land even a land that floweth with milk and honey and now behold i have brought the first fruits of the land which the lord uh, which thou o lord hast given me and thou shalt set it before the lord thy god and worship before the lord thy god and thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the lord thy god hath given unto thee and unto thine house thou and the levite and the stranger that is among you so, the reason I think it's important to go here to Deuteronomy 26 is there are three other references of the word profession in the book of Hebrews. So, for the Jew, right? And you guys have, have, have learned this and studied this. During the tribulation, when the Jews see a book with their name on it, Hebrews, it's going to unlock a world of truth for them, right? And so, before we jump to the, the, those cross references for profession in the book of Hebrews how would a jew have heard the term profess well if he was a good student of the book of deuteronomy he knows that the example of professing faith is all laid out here in deuteronomy 26 so let's start in verse number 1 and it shall be when thou art come unto the land which the lord thy god giveth thee for an inheritance and possessest it and dwellest therein so i love this um Circle, just uh, if you're in the habit of circling your Bible, go ahead. But I wrote the verse out so you could do it on the verse on your paper too. circle the word possesses and dwellest. So funny the the spell checker never knows what to do with words like possesses. You know, it's got a, quite a few S's in there. So God told the Jew, this is what God's telling the Jew. When I fulfill my promise to bring you into the land and you're possessing it and you're dwelling it in, the, in it and you wake up and you have your cup of, cup of coffee this more, in the morning and you're experiencing the fulfillment of what I have said to you that I would do. This land that I'm giving you when that happens. Verse number two. Thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land, that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. So I've got some brackets, right? And uh, after verse number one there, when they're experiencing a fulfilled promise, when they're experiencing a fulfilled promise, God told Abraham off my top of my head, I believe, I remember it's Genesis 15. In Genesis you know, 12, God promises Abraham uh, that he, his descendants will be as the stars of the sky, right? And as the sand of the sea. And Abraham believes God, and God counts it to him for righteousness. In Genesis 15, then God says, I will bring you into the land of Canaan to possess it. And so here, God says, when you get there and you're experiencing the blessing of the fulfilled promise that I'm giving you this land, when you experience that, now, is there any thought in God's mind that he wouldn't fulfill what he told them he was going to do? No. That's why he says, when you get there and you're experiencing it, experience that fulfilled promise, then you're going to bring, at the end of verse 2 there, a fitting sacrifice. A fitting sacrifice. Now, what is this fitting sacrifice? Well, verse 2 says, thou shalt take of the first Of all the fruit of the earth, Um, everything God does, he does in abundance, doesn't he? God told Adam and Eve, be be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. It's amazing how much in God's economy, you know, he does say add to your faith virtue. But how many times does God say multiplication? It's like an exponential explosion. So he's saying, you're going to have all this fruit of the earth. And the first of it, I want you to snatch that up. You're going to bring to me the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring. Now, does he say you might bring it of the land or thou shalt bring it? Why? Because God's promised to bless them, right? Thou shalt bring of thy land, thy land, but who gave it to him? The Lord God, right? And you shall put it in a basket and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Who's the one picking where he's going to exalt his name? It's God, right? And so, uh, again, it's just showing that God is so elevated and so high. He's worthy of the first fruit of all the earth. And I guarantee you, if you read anything about the nation of Israel, do you think there was temptation to not give God the first fruit of all the earth? Do you think there were excuses as to why people didn't give the first fruit of all the earth? But if they would have kept in mind, you know, this fruit came from my land. My land came from God Almighty. And God Almighty set a special place for his name to be worshipped. So maybe I should give the sacrifice that he told me to give. So it was a fitting sacrifice. And then verse number three, And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days. Now, just that right there, who was the priest going between God and the people? Just the fact that there was a priest is is due to the grace and mercy of God, right? And so God did not cast off his people. He had a priest and he had a high priest that entered in once into the holy place, Every year to offer the blood of a bull uh, in this to make that sacrifice. So even the grace of God is exhibited here in this verse when He says, "Go to the priest and shall take the and He shall take the basket." Oh, I'm skipping ahead. Sorry. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days and say unto him, "I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us." It was a verbal declaration. So every time a Jew lived according to the, the word of God and according to Deuteronomy, he would go before the priest and would declare, hey, I'm living in the land that God said I could live in, that he would give us, that we would bring forth abundantly. And here is physical evidence of the fulfilled promise of a faithful God, and I am declaring that openly for his glory. did you had a pretty cool opportunity to bring glory to God, right? Verse number four, and the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand, and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. Now, I don't really have anything for you there to write down. All I could think is no takesy backsies They were going to physically give that up, and it wasn't going to be like Abraham going up offering Isaac, which I literally do think Abraham knew Isaac, in his mind, was going to die because he accounted that God could raise him from the dead, but Abraham got him back. I wonder if there was ever a Jew, like maybe a little kid Jew, you know, it's like five years old that thinks... Oh, maybe the priest will give us back our first fruit sometime. You know, little kids just think funny things. And 41-year-old people do too. But, uh, okay, so the priest, he's going to take that out of your hand. Then verse number five. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, Assyrian ready to perish was my father. Now, do you see, what is what word does verse five start with? So is the profession done yet? No, the profession starts with, I'm experiencing the blessing that God promised. Here's physical evidence. And let me profess a little bit more. My heritage. My father was a Syrian and was ready to conquer the world. He was ready to what? Apart from the mercy and grace of God. Abraham would have gone off to perish. Isaac would have gone off to perish. Jacob would have gone off to perish. Joseph, one of the most godly men recorded for us in scripture, apart from faith in God, would have perished. And so what is this Jew in Deuteronomy 26 professing? That God, without you, were nothing and we would have perished. We're nothing. It's pretty good profession that kind of keeps you humble. Doesn't it kind of keeps you remembering where you came from and God, there are other places. God didn't want the Jew to forget where he came from because when the Jew remembered where he came from, he, he could see and remember how great God's mercy and grace was. So in, The end of verse number five there, I just have, you can write down, profess who you were. Profess who you were. And what does he say? Well, we we sojourned there with a few and became there a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And that's exactly what happened when Jacob went down to be with Joseph in Egypt, right? They started becoming so many that the Pharaoh after the Pharaoh that was in charge during Joseph... He didn't really understand and know who Joseph was. And he said, hey, these Hebrews, uh, they're going to be too many of them. And we need to, what? We need to get them serving us so they don't usurp us, right? And that's, you can study out the more of the history of the nation of Israel. So verse 6. And, so this is interesting. Uh, profess who you were. Then verse number 6. And the Egyptians, now remember again, that Pharaoh, he uh, began to put the Jews under bondage. And the Bible says, and the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. So what what do we do there? We profess where you were. Profess where you were. Now, we're going to skip down. Did you say, uh, it's it's, interesting to me. Were were the Jews uh, faithfully living the way God told them to in the Old Testament? No. So here, God says, hey, don't forget where you were. Where you were was, and you can circle these three things, evil entreated, afflicted, and hard bondage. How many of you, that sounds like a great life? Tell us, Jimmy, what's behind door number two? Well, you get a life of affliction and hard bondage. But you can trade that for door number one. You know, how many of you would be trading for door number one at that point? Now you and I read that, and we're like, yeah, that would have been awful. But do you know it didn't take the children of Israel long? It took them about 30 seconds to get outside of Egypt. And how did they view their Egyptian life? Well, the cool thing is, God records it for us in Exodus chapter sixteen, verse three. So you don't even have to like make it up, right? Look at this. Exodus sixteen three. This cross reference says, and the children of Israel said unto them. <laughs> Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Okay. So how long did it take them to forget that they were afflicted and in hard bondage? Oh, about 30 seconds. And human nature, man, you will... Again, as a New Testament Christian, this would be like likening your old sinful ways to like, oh man, do you remember when we used to have so much fun? What, yeah, wrecking your life. You know, Romans six, seven, and eight has a whole lot to say about he that is a servant to sin. You are a servant to sin. When you sin, it is bondage. It has you enslaved. And that's why the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to do it anymore. He wants you to yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and not live in that way, that sin that brought forth bondage and corruption. And he says, there were shameful things you did that you are ashamed that you did them, And if you're not, you ought to be. Right. And so um, the the Jew, he, there's a whole nation of them that forgot how. They were under bondage and affliction. So as part of the profession, they were to profess. God's brought us in. We're experiencing this uh, blessing of God. Here's the fruit of that. Man, I remember our ancestors, and they would have perished. And I remember how we were in Egypt in bondage and affliction. Kids don't ever think that going back there is fun, because it's not. You get what the profession is so far? And what's cool is you already see where you could be making some application as a New Testament believer. Like, hey, son. Hey, son. This behavior, okay? And, um, you know, dads, it would be good for you to read through some of those proverbs with your sons, where he talks about a strange woman and the harlot, and how she flattereth with her lips, but her heart is not with thee. Her ways are movable, you cannot know them, thou canst not know them. And how many strong men, many strong men, have been slain by her. So don't go in that way. Don't give your eyes to that. So David said in Psalm, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So, so um, you young people, man, sin, this world will make sin look very fun. But it is pleasing for a season. And then that season runs out. And then you wake up and then you have to live the rest of your life. Don't give your heart to that. So there should be some believers at Grace Baptist Church that profess, you know what, there used to be a way I was going. I'm not going that way anymore by the grace of God. And I'm going this way. I'm going the way that God has laid out for me. That's not fun. It's bondage. It's affliction. And anything else is a lie and straight out of the pit of hell. And I'm not going to listen to it. So then you have, um, uh, let's see, verse number seven. And when we cried unto the Lord, God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice. Can somebody say amen? And looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. Profess that God hears. That Jew, when he went to give the first fruits, was able to stand before the priest and say, I serve a God that is seated on a throne in heaven. That when we cried out to him as a nation, he heard us. He looked on us. And in my family, I can cry out to a real God that knows more about me than I know about me. That ever since, that all my members were written in his book, which before they even existed, which continuance were fashioned as yet there was none of them. And God's understanding is infinite. And I can call out to that God. And above everything else, my cry can enter, the Bible says, into his ears. And when you think about, uh, and I remember um, Brother Bartlett had preached here, right? And he talked about how the seraphim and the cherubim, they're all crying to God. Holy, holy, holy tonight, right? It takes you back. That's what they're doing. They're calling out to God. And he hears that worship. And he hears that praise. And he's worthy of every ounce of it to hear holy, holy, holy. And in the middle of that. When you cry out, whether it's with praise or in trouble, your cry enters into the very ears of God through the midst of hearing, holy, holy. holy." How is that? That's how great he is. That's how amazing God is. So they were to profess that God hears. Then verse number 8. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with great terribleness, and with signs and wonders. What were they to do? They were to profess God's power and might. His power and might. And I want to challenge you teenagers. Read your Bible. You're like, man, I know, I go to grace. We, we, we preach it all the time, man, I'm hearing it. No, you Read your Bible. Because how many of you adults have ever been in a situation and the Holy Spirit brings to mind either something that you're reading or you recall something that God did from the Old Testament and it was powerful and it was mighty. And I just cannot tell you in my own life the blessing it's been to be reading something in God's word and see how he did this. Man, I was just reading something about Hannah. Hannah... um, It's 1st or 2nd Chronicles tonight Wherever it talks about Hannah having Samuel You guys probably remember You remember what chapter that is It's like chapter 1 I think of 1st 2nd Chronicles Hannah is hurt. She's in distress Anguish, sorrow um, And those of you that, that are uh, uh, Mothers or you are wives And you have gone through the struggle of trying to have children I mean you know that feeling in, uh, Like personally on an intimate level that, uh, Of the hurt of not being able to have a child And Hannah experiences that. And, you know, it just showed me like, wow, this woman is torn up. And and she was experiencing grief and sorrow of heart. Like those are the Bible words that God uses. And then she calls out to God. And the God of heaven answers her prayer. And she, you have a whole chapter of her magnifying in God's name and rejoicing. I mean, so just go check that out for yourself. But you know how much that encouraged me? And it like convicted me because I'm not praying like I ought to do about stuff, you know? And God's word will do that for you. So teenagers, you are going to read God's word. So everybody, everybody, raise, teenagers, do your hand like this and say, I will read God's word. Now, how many of you, no, don't raise your hand to this, but if you're not sure where to start, to start in genesis proverbs just go there and read something or maybe ty's mr ty's got something for you guys to read so um profess god's power and might then verse number nine and he brought us into this place and hath given us this land even a land that floweth with milk and water what is it milk and honey right they were to profess god's blessings uh did i give you guys like psalm 98 is there a cross reference there it says c psalm 98 okay this blew my mind uh went to two different bible colleges you know grew up here in the church uh pastor came when i was a sophomore in high school heard a ton of preaching and i'm sure it wasn't the first time i heard it but it was the first time it clicked how many of you, you've been there you're like this is like the first time i've ever read this yeah god you know moses struck the rock and what came out water gushed out right and then the second time, he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he got really mad and hit it again, right? And what came out? Water. Grace of God is amazing. But Moses suffered consequence from that. And so you have to check it out for yourself, because some of you I don't know if you're going to believe me. But Psalm 98, God says to his people, because he's rebuking them for their unbelief. He said, if you guys would have just, if you would have done what I told you to do, you would have gone into the land. You would have been a testimony and a sign to everybody else around you. They would have known how great I am. And I would have brought honey out of the rock. I'm like, how would he have brought honey out of the rock? How did he bring water out of a rock? I don't know, but he would have done it, right? And so it's just amazing how the Jew, he was supposed to profess, I am in a land and it's flowing with milk and honey. Again, which is just so typical of God's blessing, right? And so we must hasten. Verse number... 10. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. Again, the Jew was supposed to bring a fitting sacrifice. And I'm sure maybe for some people, maybe they were banking on the first fruits for some type of provision. But they were supposed to give that to the Lord. And so that was a worshipful act. And again, we don't have really time to develop that, but uh, hopefully it's a help to you. Verse 11, and thou shalt rejoice. Now, this, it's amazing. God puts a bow on it right here. Verse 11, and thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. So the Jew, right? Here's what he was supposed to do. He's supposed to go to the priest, and he's supposed to profess what his profession was supposed to be is, here is fruit, physical evidence that, I, that God is a faithful God. Because I'm in this land, this fruit came from the land that God gave us. And you guys, don't forget where we came from. We were lost without God. We were aliens and strangers and all that stuff. And then God did what he did with our forefathers. And then, don't forget, God brought us up out of Egypt And how did God do that? He did it with a mighty hand. The destroyed Pharaoh's army. Nobody could have done that. You see what he's professing. And then he gets to this this place. The, The bow on the profession was rejoicing. You see, God tells us in the New Testament, hold fast your profession without wavering. And I tend to think that we might waver in our profession when we don't rejoice and we're not really thankful for what God has done. And we look at how maybe the circumstances aren't lining up and all the things that are wrong instead of rejoicing in what God has done. I'm just telling you as a Christian, if you will rejoice and be thankful, God will get you through. You will hold fast the profession of your faith, if you're thankful to God and you rejoice in him and just let him work and watch what he does. He says there, uh, he says, rejoice. What were they to rejoice in? Every good thing, which the Lord of God had given them. And no doubt there are times in our lives where the circumstances can mount so much, maybe like not in our favor, that they can become so big. The, the, the financial problem, the relational problem the job problem, the what, the, the whatever problem can become so big that it just trumps us really seeing God's ability to care for that in our lives. Well, you rejoice in, and the song says it. Count your blessings, right? Name them one by one, and you'll see what great things the Lord hath done. So pro- profess a joyful sacrifice. Profess a joyful sacrifice sacrifice. So with that, I've given you these verses, and we'll read these and, and wrap it up here. So Hebrews 3, 1, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful to In all his house. So, Simon, what characteristic of Jesus Christ does verse 1 want you to consider about the apostle and high priest of your profession? What characteristic? Faithful! Yes, Ty, you have taught him well. Or actually, Diana, I guess. Good job, Diana. Yeah, faithful, right? Now, check this out. Chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I love it. God is not afraid of double negatives. It's for the English teachers, right? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised Simon. What characteristic about God does God want you to know about him and think about when you think about holding fast the profession of your faith? If you say anything other than faithfulness, you're going to be, okay. What is it? Yes, faithful, all right. So, now waver, all right, just right next to that loser. No, no, okay, don't do that. Waver, it means to play or move to and fro, to and fro, to move one way and the other, to fluctuate, to be unsettled in opinion, to vacillate, and man, this word here, to be undetermined. Everybody do this, okay. You know, somebody that wavers in their profession, they are not being determined to remember the promises that God has already fulfilled in their lives. They're not remembering the blessing of God. They're not remembering the might and the power of God. What are they? they're, not, they're determining to not remember that stuff, right? And so, what is holding fast the profession of your faith? without wavering, I think it'd be good to kind of look at the example from Deuteronomy 26 there and just think through what did the Jew do when he professed? Can you apply that? You know, you're not, you know, I don't know that there are any Jews in here, but can we apply that? Well, hopefully, hopefully you can think, are there any promises that God has promised to you that you've experienced the fulfillment of? How many of you have clothes on today and you were able to eat food? And so God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, right? So you've experienced that. How many of you have experienced the forgiveness of God, the mercy, the grace, those even those spiritual blessings, right? And then you men, lead your family, remind them of the... the I just was talking with Pastor and uh, Miss Laura today about something in my own life that I told him. you know, there's something um, that I want to pray about with, with Chloe and Kate. Be real specific, call it out loud, and... and and allow them to see God work in that. And um, I just have to tell you that this week, there was some stuff on the trip that, have you ever been praying for something and then you stopped praying for it kind of before you should have stopped praying for it? Because you thought, well, you know, well, this would have to happen and this would have to happen and that would have to happen. So you kind of get distracted and you forget to pray and you just stop, you stop praying for it. What kinda of happened in my life? And then God goes, Oh, you mean that I might be able to jump over some of those steps and get you to hear without like doing it. You remember you think I can... oh. and yet God in his grace and in his mercy says, Hey. And I go, Sorry, Lord. I should have more faith that you are faithful and that you can do what you say you're gonna do. And so let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for the kindness and the mercy and the grace that you showed the nation of Israel. And uh, again, we're not Jews, but Lord, to see the profession that the Jew was supposed to make, there's a lot of that that would be real good for us as New Testament Christians to say,